0: Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith With a law degree. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app. That helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Holo has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content. But you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app/breadbox
1: to another episode of Lisa Hendy and Friends. Today on the podcast, I'm really delighted to welcome to the show, Dr. Joseph White. Joseph is a child and family psychologist and director of catechetical resources for Our Day Visitor Publishing. He's the author of 11 books, including the newly released wonderful work, Listening for God in Everyday Life. Welcome to the show, Dr. Joseph White.
2: Thanks, Lisa. Great to be with you.
1: It's great to be with you. And, um, you know, I, I've um, enjoyed coming to get to know your work a little bit more in this last year, and and especially to have a kind of sneak peek at this amazing book. Um, I think you brought it to my attention at at the Religious Ed Congress. And um, it's been so fun to see it come to fruition. Before we dive into talking about the book, though, can you just let everybody know a little bit more about you and, and your journey into the church?
2: Sure. Yeah, I was raised um, in Oklahoma in uh, a a denomination, a Protestant evangelical denomination called the Church of Christ uh, that some of your listeners may be familiar with. If you're not familiar, it's a little bit like Baptist, um, although we wouldn't have said that back then in the Church of Christ. (laughs) Uh, But, um, you know, very kind of Bible only, sola scriptura kind of uh, approach. And um, I had lots of questions uh, growing up as, as many people do and and uh, and especially as a young adult kind of embarked on a journey um, to try to get some of those those lingering questions answered um, and so I tried on lots of different kinds of spiritualities and denominations and things like that um, and uh, one day um, was walking across campus at the graduate school that I attended um, and I was walking with my wife, Anna, who incidentally was, was raised Catholic. Um, she, she was not practicing at the time uh, when, when we married, but, um, but you know, it, it doesn't go away. So she, <laughs> she was raised Catholic. We walked past uh, the Catholic Cathedral, Um, of richmond i I was attending virginia commonwealth university which is um built around the the cathedral it's a state university but uh the cathedral was there first and people wondered why they built it way out in the country and then over time that became the middle of downtown richmond and and uh, the university grew up around it and as we walked across campus and we saw that the the cathedral doors were open and so i um uh, you know, I said, let's go up and, and, and look and see, uh, what it looks like. And, and so we did, and we looked and and it just, Lisa, just took my breath away. Wow. Uh, it was so beautiful. And I, you know, I grew up in a, in a faith that, um, placed very, very minimal emphasis on environment in worship or, or in buildings or things like that. We, we didn't consider any of that to be sacred, um, you know, so many of our fellowship halls uh, in our parish halls in the Catholic Church would look like um, a, a Church of Christ worship space. Um, but, uh, you know, there was just something about it that just took me in It just grabbed me and took me in. And I said, let's come back sometime. Uh, when they're when they're having mass, and my wife said okay, and I didn't know that she was secretly longing to come back to the Eucharist, but afraid to talk to me about it because I had told her when we married that I could probably be comfortable almost anywhere, but I'd never be Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, so she wasn't sure whether to trust this or not that I was interested, in or what 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 would come of this. And and um, you know, we did go back uh, when they were having mass, and. Um, mass really, you know, knocked me off my feet, too. I, um, I I, I can't really explain it, Lisa, except that I had this overwhelming sense that God was present there. And I, I didn't know what God was doing in the Catholic Church, because um, <laughs> I'd kind of grown up thinking that maybe Catholics weren't exactly Christians. At least that was kind of implied in, in my upbringing. But Uh, But boy, I I felt God there. I didn't know anything about the belief in the real presence or or, or anything like that. Um, But I said, you know, I'm going to see if they have some classes about what Catholics believe and and learn a little bit more about this. And so I came into the church as my wife came back to the church and, and the rest is history.
1: That's so amazing. And then here it is turning out that you work in the catechetical range and in sharing your faith. And what a beautiful, I think it's actually really wonderful how God leads us along our spiritual journeys. So now you've got this brand new book, Listening for God in Everyday Life. I mentioned that I was really lucky to get a sneak peek at it. And I love um, the format of the book and the reminder that God speaks to us in different ways in our life. Tell me what, what prompted you to write this particular book.
2: Well, you know, growing up, I always heard people say things like, um, you know, God put this on my heart or God told me this. And I was always very skeptical of it, Lisa, because, you know, there were lots of times that I heard people say something like that. And then they would say something that I was pretty sure God wouldn't say. Um, And so I, you know, I kind of grew up with this kind of inner tension about, you know, how do people know if God is speaking to them or not? And and um, should we even think that way? And, um, you know, now a- as a Catholic, um, certainly I believe, you know, uh, we-, we-, we see throughout our-, our faith history and not only in Scripture, but in our uh, in our history of the saints as well, powerful and profound examples where God did speak to people and, and maybe not always in in some of the most dramatic ways that we think of, like hearing a voice from God or something. Uh, but certainly, you know, clearly God led people and and spoke to them in various ways. And so I, I began to just reflect on that and think, what what are some of the ways that God has spoken to me in my life? And what are some of the ways that God speaks to us in general? Um, uh, you know, certainly sacred scripture and sacred tradition are our compass so that we can, can kind of be be certain about, you know, if God tells us something that contradicts uh, with, with what the you know, wh- what the teaching office, the magisterium of the church says about how sacred scripture or sacred tradition is interpreted, then, then I think we can be pretty clear that that, that wasn't from God. Um, but beyond that, in many personal ways, in the everyday circumstances of our life, um, God does lead us. And, and so this book is my attempt to just kind of explore some of those different ways that God speaks to us.
1: I love it and I, I I was surprised by a few of the areas that you point to. I'm I'm really happy to hear you say this part about, you know, God speaking to us. I have to say that I've always longed to be one of those people who can say, Well God told me XYZ. I, I I mean I've been praying for let's see, by the time this publishes I will be fifty seven years old and I've been Catholic <laughs> my whole life and I don't know that I've ever audibly heard the voice of God, but certainly you have a sense of assurance in different places and times. One of the um, areas that you point to is um, God speaking to us within creation. And I think this is interesting because in today's world, there are a lot of people who sort of stay away from church and kind of um, give um, give the sense that they are connected with God in different ways, including in nature. But say a little bit about um, God speaking to us through creation.
2: Well, this concept is is found also in sacred scripture in, in Romans chapter one, um Saint Paul talks about how we should know God from the things that He's created. God has, in many ways, hidden Himself in the things that He's created and, and taught us lessons. Um, and uh, you know, certainly, um, you know, one of the one of the clear examples of that is is even in in what um, Pope John Paul II. Uh, shared with us regarding theology of the body and how how our bodies are made for relationship, and so you know we we understand even from the physical makeup of our bodies that we are we are created for relationship and for connection with others. Um, we also see examples of God speaking to us through creation in. Um, In the ways that we are provided for, you know, I I share in the book about an encounter that my wife and I had um, actually we we had several um, uh, meetings because we worked with them over a period of time, a a tribe in the rainforest um, that was only discovered just a few years before before we visited them. And I mean, they knew they were there, but um, the outside world didn't know they were there. And so they, they lived very much like they had lived for thousands of years. And when I asked them about their beliefs, um, did they believe, you know, how did they believe that the world came about and where it came from, uh, they described to us, well, we we believe that there's a God who made everything and then said, because, well, look around, we have fruit in the trees, we have water in the river, um, you know, we we have uh, animals and plants here to eat. There must be a God because look how he's provided for us.
1: Beautiful. So beautiful. You know, you speak in the book about um, hearing God in the in the midst of um, sometimes stress and suffering um, in times of great um, anxiety or pain that we're going through. And this is interesting to me because I think a lot of people that are listening sometimes feel um, the lack of God's presence in those moments Mm. that when. Maybe something has gone terribly wrong in their life that they think, oh, God has abandoned me. So how yeah. can we hear um, God's voice in? how can we listen for him in those moments when things are really hard?
2: Well, I'm glad that you asked that, Lisa, because I, I, this is actually one of the, the top reasons that people say that they leave the faith. Or, or one of the top difficulties that people have today with believing in God. How, how can there be a God when so much suffering exists in the world? Or where is God when I'm suffering? And um, the, the, the past three popes, uh, in, including Pope Francis, have all been asked this question, um, why do people have to suffer? And they've all given the same answer, um, a two-part answer. The first part being, we don't know. We don't really understand. And, and so when we try to kind of come up with really pat answers to that, it, you know, it, it tends to be very unsatisfying, I think, for, for many of us. Um, but the other part of the answer that they give is that one thing we do know for sure is that God is always on the side of the suffering. Um, God is near us when we su- when we suffer, and how do we know that? Well, we know that in, in, in a few different ways. We know that in the person of Jesus Christ. When we see Jesus's life on earth, who was he most drawn to? Not the people that had it all together. In fact, he even said that I haven't come for for those who are well. I have come for for those who who need the great physician, <laughs> who who need the medicine. Um, and and we see him uh, together with people that were marginalized, with people who were poor, with people who were ill, uh, people that were struggling with many different things. We also see his compassion in those moments. You know, we see his tears um, when he's told that that Lazarus has died. Um, You know, we we see the way he helps people who are in trouble. Um, and, And then finally, Jesus entered into human suffering in a very profound way. God himself allowed himself um, to be hurt, to be maimed, to be put up on a cross. Um, and, and he did that for us. The other thing that that teaches us, too, that sacrifice of Jesus Christ, is that even though God may not cause suffering or doesn't will suffering, um, God can help bring about good from suffering, um, the, the worst evil that was ever done. Uh, the, the the murder of God himself, um, God made human in Jesus Christ, um, that worst evil that's ever happened on earth, God turned into the greatest good that's ever right. happened, um, because that bought for us the right to become God's own sons and daughters. Um, so I, I think our faith gives a unique perspective on suffering helps us understand. Otherwise, suffering is just meaningless. You know, I think without our Catholic faith, then then suffering is something that all of us have to endure that has no meaning at all. Um, I can't accept that. And, and I hope your listeners can't either. Um, and so I embrace this idea that God is with us when we suffer and that God, um, you know, himself entered into that suffering, understands our suffering, and can work with us to bring good from it as well.
1: I think it's part of the reason that I enjoy kind of spiritual journaling um, for me, because when I'm in those moments of desolation where I feel like, oh, could it get any worse than this moment (laughs) right now? I can look back at um, times that my conscious brain has forced itself to forget because they were so hard and see, you know, that I emerged from that because God was with me, because I trusted and because he's ultimately victorious um, in all things and and suffering in this life may may continue, but there's something better, um, you know, that awaits us. So, so beautiful. I could talk to you for such a long time about the book, but I also want to ask you about some of your work with children. You recently invited me to be a guest on, um, Ali Lou, which is the really wonderful children's resource that you've created, um, recently. And just say a little bit about that and kind of the work that you're doing, um, through catech- catechetical resources at OSV.
2: Sure. Yeah. The the Catechetical Resources Division at OSV um produces various children's curricula and, and, and supplemental resources. And um we have a, a preschool and kindergarten program called Allelu. Um and uh I I adapted some of that content into a YouTube series for kids. Um uh during the 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 time when families were quarantined for coronavirus and and um, and planning to con- continue that as well, so we did you know like the Holy Week and Easter. Um, you were my guest thank you on the on the Ascension uh, episode of that and and uh, went through to pentecost and um, and then planned to resume that uh, again in the in the fall as well. Um, it's been a lot of fun. It's a very simple show. It was homemade while I was quarantined at home, you know, so (laughs) no special effects, uh, nothing too flashy, but you know, my, my work as a child psychologist with kids has shown me that what kids need more than a lot of flashy special effects is real authenticity, uh, Mm -hmm. an adult who, who understands them, who wants to speak with them, um, and wants them to be able to, to reflect and to share as well.
1: I agree with that so thoroughly and I, I have had it proven to me over the years and the work that I've done with children. So absolutely beautiful. So where's the best place um for people to come and kind of have a central clearinghouse for all of your work?
2: Um I have a website at sharingcatholicfaith.com.
1: Fantastic. And um and we'll have links to that and as well to Alelu and to OSB. Um, in our show notes for the podcast, as well, Joseph, any kind of closing thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners?
2: Uh, just that you know the the understanding that God speaks to us in, in many, many different ways, and it's different for each person, but I, I strongly believe that God always has something that He wants to say to us and and when we open ourselves up to that, when we consistently pray and and listen for God. Um, and say, what are you trying to tell me, Lord? Uh, God says, I'm so glad you asked. He (laughs) shows us in many different ways.
1: Well, friends, I definitely want to have you check out the book. It's Listening for God in Everyday Life by Dr. Joseph White. Joseph, thank you so much for your time and for all the good work that you do.
2: Thank you, Lisa. God bless you.
1: God bless you. Well, friends, that is it for this week's episode of the show. I want to thank you for tuning in and just remind you that to get a hold of the show notes for this show, um, which include links to the work of Dr. Joseph White and listening for God in everyday life, as well as our previous episodes and all of my contact information, you can come on over to lisahendy.com. It's just a click away and I'm always there waiting to connect with you. So until next week, I hope you have an awesome week and God bless.